Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Do you listen to them as a customer? Do you care for them as a person? Okay. Those were things that drove value, that improved the net promoter score. I, I was stopped at a, uh, coming out of an airport bathroom by a researcher. And um, she had a whole list of questions about my bathroom experience, mm. I assume, for the management company that, that ran it. Although now that I say that out loud, I, I actually don't know. She might have just been a stranger and this was kind of her thing. <laughs> I was asking strangers about bathrooms. <laughs> you need to become a bit more granular. So if you want to find out why people are giving you positive comments and only giving you a score of four, you've got to get more granular. Ryan, we've got another pickle. Good. I love being in a pickle, especially when the pickle is not mine. In fact, I don't love being in pickles. I love seeing other people in pickles. And then I can give them advice on how to get out of the pickle. I, I just love hearing you say pickle. I, I was only just thinking, I've seen to have been saying pickle quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's very charming in an English accent. And I think an Americanized pickle just wouldn't be as appealing to people. No, absolutely. No, no. Never would be. Never no. would be. For those people that don't know what a pickle is, pickles are where people send us when they're in a pickle, i.e. when they've got a business problem. Janet has, has written to us. And she has a problem about net promoter score. Great. Well, that's not very nice, telling, saying to Janet that, you know, it's great that she's got a problem. You just said you like seeing people in pickles. <laughs> You're not pure here, Colin. I said great because I think that dealing with net promoter score is a common problem that a lot of people it is. in our listener audience would sympathize with and may have gone through themselves. That's why, Janet, I don't wish you any ill will. Colin's the one who likes seeing you. Well, got out of Zach. Um, I nearly called you Zach. Why did I call you Zach? <laughs> um, well, got out of Ryan. <laughs> yeah, so Janet wrote into us uh, and said that she has a pickle. So let me read Janet's letter out to us, uh, to the audience, and then we'll get to talk about it. So, hello, Colin and Ryan. I hope you're having a great week so far. I just wanted to say firstly how much I love what you're doing in your podcast. So thanks a lot, Janet. Much appreciated. I'm in customer service and I've discovered your podcast last year. I love how easily you explain theories and give advice on how to apply them in the real world. Uh, in brackets, Janet, I would like to say uh, only I do that. Ryan t tends to complicate things because he's in academia. Can you look back to the email? Are you sure she said she likes... <laughs> Both of us on the podcast? Did she mention one of us more than the other? Yeah, maybe well, me. Anyway, maybe go I ahead. Could, Keep going. Uh, maybe I could hear the email a bit. Yeah. I've recommended your podcast to many of my colleagues. Excellent. And that's exactly what we'd love you to do and anybody else. So uh, my pickle is with MPS. The problem we're having is that many customers leave us positive comments about their experiences, but give a score of four on MPS. I'm not sure what we can do to find out where the gaps are from customers who leave positive comments but give us a passive score. 
Our score range is 68 NPS, which is great. I added the it's great because uh, it is. But our goal is 70 plus. We rate our scale on one to five, one to three being a detractor, four being a passive, five being a promoter. We'd love to hear your insight from, from both of you on this topic. Janet. The problem seems to be, let me just read this out again and make sure we got the essence of this, which is they've they've got customers leaving them with positive comments, mm-hmm. but they're giving them a four, okay, which basically says that they're passive. So it's that sort of dichotomy between we're getting positive comments, but they're not giving us the score that would reflect the positive comments. As usual, I've got my list of things. And the irony of this, actually, before I just kick over to you, uh, Ryan, uh, for any thoughts you may have on that. The irony of this is that we actually had Fred Reichelt on the show last week. Fred has just launched a new book, and we were talking to uh, Fred about the new book called Winning on Purpose. Fred is the the father of the Net Promoter score. Thank you. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, Fred Reichelt, who, who actually invented Net Promoter, and we obviously discussed Net Promoter last week. So if you haven't listened to that show, then I would suggest that you do. Again, we'll stick a copy in the in the show notes. So any any thoughts from you, Ryan, before you can retire and I can rattle on for the next four hours? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go make myself a sandwich. You just let me know when yeah. you're done, Carl. Yeah, just ping that uh, like that elastic band. When you want to, let it go, and I'll just carry on rolling. You do know much more about Net Promoter Score than I do, and so I will value your comments on a lot of the specifics. So let me speak about it in general terms. I was a lot more intimidated by measurement before I went back to graduate school and became a researcher. I had thought that there were very strict rules about the right way to measure things, and it had to be exactly this way and that way. Uh, and what I discovered, so that you can actually take coursework, there's an entire field of psychology called psychometrics which is about how do we measure things? There are differences. So, you know, if you have a a wider scale, for example, more granulated scale, then you'll get more granulated response back. Whereas if if you have a narrower scale or a scale that only has like two or three options on it, then you're going to group more kind of responses together. But by and large, there's no magic question that you can ask or no magic way you can ask a question that will give you all the insights. Some questions are better than others. Some will give you give you a broader range of kind of uh, responses, more useful data, all that kind of thing. But the idea that that there's like one single way of measuring things and if you do it that way, then you don't need anything else that I think is a mistaken belief. It's almost kind of a superstition. And so while that promoter score is very useful in a lot of ways, and I certainly don't hate it by any means, I do worry that people might be overly focused on this. And if you go back and listen to our um, interview with, with Fred, I think you'll find that the inventor of the net promoter score feels the same way, that people get too focused on the metric and kind of lose lose the big picture. Yeah, when they do, uh, it's it's very useful in part because it's so universally applied. So you can actually compare things across industries and all that. So it has a lot of strengths to it, but it shouldn't be the only thing that we're measuring. It shouldn't be taken out of kind of context. I, I, I've told this story before, but I love it. I, I was stopped at a uh, coming out of an airport bathroom by a researcher, and um, she had a whole list of questions about my bathroom experience. Mm. I assume for the management company that, that ran it. Although now that I say that out loud, I, I actually don't know. She might have just been a stranger, and this was kind of her thing. <laughs> I was asking strangers about bathrooms. <laughs> uh, but she had a little, <laughs> she had a little iPad, and she was going through the questions. 
you know, how clean was she the bathroom? She wasn't taking pictures, was she? <laughs> I should have been paying more attention to this. I'm not sure if you should be telling this on this show, mate. <laughs> it's a family program, but people need to know. But the reason I tell the story, in addition to it just being ridiculous, one of the questions she asked was in that promoter score question, how likely would I be to recommend you- this bathroom to other people? And I had to tell her, I'm like, look, the bathroom was reasonably clean for a public restroom. <laughs> But I have never in my life recommended a bathroom to somebody else. I can. Is this at Hartsfield? Yes, this is Atlanta Jackson Hartsfield International Airport. So I can imagine coming in up to Terminal E going, I need to to go to the toilet. Yeah. But I can only go to this bathroom on Terminal B. I'm going to pass all these other ones Look, just because it's been recommended by Ryan. I'm, I'm a local. I know the ins and outs. And yeah, you got to go over to Terminal B. Um, <laughs> the South Side, first first that's restaurant bay, Terminal B. That. Like that's, that's the choice. <laughs> you know what? I, I go through Hartsfield a lot. I'm going to make sure I stand out all the bathrooms until I have this experience with this woman. Oh, yeah, it was it was surreal. It was yeah. it was bizarre. It was also delightful because I knew I'd be able to use it on the podcast and in classes for the next twenty years. <laughs> like I'm not going to stop talking about this. One. But like I I know exactly where that question came from. They hired a research company who had like a bank of questions that they then customized to fit the needs of this particular offering. And so net promoter score is just always in there because everybody sure. measures it. Everybody Even in it. an instance where it, in, like yeah. here, it yeah. was patently ridiculous. And, and I'm not accusing Janet of that. I'm sure that it makes sense in, in their context to use it. Yeah, sure. I bring up the story simply because I worry that we fetishize NPS and turn it into something it was never intended to be and overemphasize and oversimplify it. That was my long rant about NPS. Now, now I welcome your long rant. I'm really glad that we we let you go first, mate, because that's an absolute classic. I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna relay that story in the future. I'm very proud of it. Yes. Very good story. Okay, so let me try and give you some advice and some thoughts, Janet. Some practical things that may help. This is a common issue. All right. Uh, first thing to say. The issue is very common, and I, I've been asked this question loads of times. So a few practical things, and you're probably not going to like me for saying this to start off with, but the scale you're using is wrong. The scale for MPS is 0 to uh, 10, okay? So That's zero, zero to, 10. to 10 for those of you zero who to are 10. Uh, American. I'll say, I'll say it first in English, 0 to 10, yes. and then I'll say it in American, 0 to 10. Very good. I'm sure it's ingrained in the organization. It's never easy changing a scale, but for the very reasons that Ryan articulated, you need to become a bit more granular. So if you want to find out why people are giving you positive comments and only giving you a score of four, you've got to get more granular, okay? Having the 0 to 10 scale uh, enables you to do that and get a bit more granular, basically. And real quick, Colin, maybe you can clear it up because I'm not 100% sure. I, I believe that the scale as it's typically used is zero to 10 based on likelihood of recommending. And then the net promoter is actually computed based off of that. Yes. It's taking the nines and the tens away from the zeros to sixes 
and giving you the the net promoter score the seven and eight is a passive score it basically means that i'm not going to recommend you but i'm not not going to recommend you so i'm i'm passive it's a little the way that it was described in the email it sounded more like the net promoter score was being directly measured instead of being computed based on the responses so when janet is saying that they've got a score 68 okay then they're doing that calculation the positives minus the negatives to give them the the 68 basically but to be totally honest with you the 68 is wrong because it's on the wrong scale so the issue is is you can't therefore can't look at other organizations who are measuring mps and go we've got a score of 68 and they've got a score of 72 what are they doing differently well actually i would suggest because you're not measuring the same thing basically this could be good news for their overall performance. It's possible if they used a different scale, they could act like it could just be a measurement thing and just measuring yes. the same thing yes. in a different way could result in a higher outcome. Yes. Yes. Or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. But the issue is, is that you, you know, one of the advantages and the things I like about net promoter is that you can use it to compare yourself to other people. Yes. You can use it, you know, we've used it in the research we do for clients to, compare their net promoter score against other competitors net promoter score so a couple of other things i think are really important again and build on what you're saying and what fred said last week net promoter is not the answer to life the universe and everything in my view net promoter is a good score but it needs to be supplemented with other things so key question again janet i would ask you would be what's the experience that you're trying to deliver has your organization defined the experience that you're trying to deliver? I haven't said this for a while, actually, but we did a load of work with Maersk line and Maersk improved their net promoter score by 40 points over a 30 month period. So Maersk uh, is a, a shipping company. Yeah. Maersk is one of the large, thank you, mate, uh, for picking me up. I just assumed that people would know. Uh, it's one of the largest companies in the world. So a lot of people probably know, but it's also a, a B2B firm. Yeah. Business to business, largest shipping container in the world. Yeah, shipping container in the world, basically. So they're right in the heart of all of this challenge with supply chains and stuff like that. But when we work with them, we move their net promoter score by 40 points over a 30-month period, okay? They obviously were measuring net promoter before. Things that we did with them was one of the things we did with them was to go, okay, well, what's the experience that you're trying to deliver? So to set the strategy of where you're trying to get to. So Janet, you say you want to get to 70. Well, why 70? And the key issue for me is what will move the needle to get you to 70? Okay. So again, that then goes into this whole area of, well, which emotions do you need to evoke to get you to a score of 70 or to improve your net promoter score. In the case of Maersk, they wanted to get their customers to trust them, feel cared for, and feel pleased. So that was setting the strategy of going, okay, we know through the research that we did with them, if we're trying to get to those things, then we will improve our net promoter score. Okay. But critically, what we then did was to measure those things. So we then measured, do your customers trust you? Do they feel cared for? Do they feel pleased? Okay, so 
it's going back to your question, Janet, it's not just about net promoter. My question to you would be, which emotions are you measuring or are you measuring emotions at all? And even a question of, well, how do you know which emotions are driving value for you? Because we know that emotions drive a lot of value. So you've got to get a lot more granular to work out why people are giving you a score of four, but saying positive things. Does that make sense, Ryan, before I move on to a couple of other things? Yeah. Like if I can just reinforce the point, part of what makes the the net promoter score valuable is that it is so broad and so universal. And that's nice. That gives you something. The disadvantage inherent in that, though, is that it gives you nothing else. So, you know, part of the frustration that Janet seems to be expressing is well, we know that our, our score on this measure is not as high as we want it to be, but we don't know why. And, and Janet, that's not your fault. You can't know why, because the net promoter score is not designed with just one measure to give you that information. And so to Colin's point, you need to think about it more strategically, and that will lead you to a series of things you can try. And as Colin just said, a series of things you can measure. So in addition to your net promoter score measure, can you also, which will give you kind of this high level view, can you also get down in the weeds in terms of what you're measuring so that you now know not just that they're happy or unhappy, but why and and what you can do to improve or what you can reinforce to kind of make that stronger. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. And this again, Janet, is where we then get into the whole conversation around understanding customer behavior and understanding the difference between what customers say and what they really mean and what they really do. So again, you would have heard me say, Disney know when they ask people what they want to buy at a theme park, they say they'd like to have an option of a salad. But Disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks. So the danger is, and this is the irony, is that you could be listening to the comments, but the comments are not really revealing enough to enable them to provide actions for you, okay? People leave positive comments for many reasons, okay? Societal reasons, because they don't really want to tell you what the truth is or whatever. So you've got to get under the skin of that, and you've got to find out the real drivers of Net Promoter. So again, let me give you an example of that. Um, well, this is a thing we call a, an emotional signature, and we'll, again, put a link into the show notes on this. Uh, but we did some work with a construction equipment manufacturer, one of the world's biggest construction equipment manufacturers. Going into that, what the perceived wisdom was that people wanted to buy construction equipment that was a, a good price, that didn't break down, that parts were available, that it would have a good resale value, typical things, all right? What we discovered was those things didn't drive value, didn't improve the net promoter score. But what did improve the net promoter score was, do you listen to them as a customer? 
Do you care for them as a person? Okay. Those were things that drove value, that improved the net promoter score. Okay. So if you want to move your net promoter score from 68 to 70, first of all, you've got to discover what those things are. And then you've clearly got to execute against those. You've got to therefore show that your customers care for you. In this case, you care for your customers as a person. So therefore you then go, well, what is it we should do to make them feel that? So you've got to, the key message I'm trying to give you here is, yeah, read the comments, but try to read between the lines of the comment. If you can't afford to do research on it, try to read between the lines of the comments. Try to think of what's that sort of intent. Is there a sort of a, a hidden message there? And if you can afford to do some research, uh, then either give us a call or give somebody a call uh, and, and talk about how you can get under the the skin of that. And let me stop for breath, Ryan, and because um, there's a couple of other things I want to run through. Any, any comment on that you want to make? Uh, no, that's great. Let's go on to the next one. The other thing that I think is important is, and, and this actually goes back to Ryan's restroom uh, example. So oftentimes organizations do a more strategic measurement of net promoter. Once a month, they ask people, what do you think about our company? Are, you know, What's the likelihood to recommend our company to a friend or colleague? Uh, and they ask that question very broadly and very sort of strategically. When we work with organizations in setting up their measurement system, what we talk about is you need to have that strategic thought, but you then need to be able to go down into a more tactical measures. So what do I, what do I mean? So here's the issue. The issue is you get this monthly score and it tells you your net promoter score is going down. And you sit there and you go, ah, well, I wonder what we need to do. It's going down. What we need to do. Well, first of all, if you haven't got any other measures, you don't know where, where to start to fix things. You also don't know where in that journey, yeah, it's letting you down. Mm. And therefore, you need to break the customer journey up, okay, into different parts and measure those bits. And to be honest with you, that's what Ryan's restroom person was doing, okay? Very nitty-gritty, okay? But um, we were working with a uh, home improvements company, and you could break it down into sort of pre-sales, you know, the sales visit, the arranging of, of the home improvements. You could break it down into the installation and then the post-installation, so let's assume that at top level you've got um, a score, of you know, net promoter score, and it's starting to decline. Before this, they were turning around and going, it's going down. Why is it going down? Well, we think it's going down because of this. But they had no evidence. What we then encouraged them to do was to put in a more tactical implementation. So we could then see the pre-sales was getting a high score on net promoter. The sales visit was getting a high score on net promoter. The installation and this is just an example was getting a low score so the issue is the installation's getting a low score yeah then you can start to break it down and go okay so it's installation that's the problem right okay so where in the country is the problem and and tying this back to ryan's restroom break 
they would have had people stood around different restrooms if they had any sense they would have and they would have been able to go ah so the reason we're getting an overall score of this and it's declining is because in terminal b our restrooms there are not very good yeah and i don't know how they manage them but it could be that you know one one team just does one restroom in one terminal i don't know but you get the idea so they would be able to go yeah we've got a problem with uh, the restroom in terminal b but terminal e in hartsfield's really good and they've actually got some best practices over there uh, so actually what we're going to do is we're going to get terminal b to go and work with terminal e and get them to pick up what some of those best practices are but let me stress the net promoter score would be just one question at this tactical level I would be asking. I would also be asking net promoter score, but I would also be asking the questions like if I went back to Merck line uh, and now I've got this image of a big Merck tanker in a restroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've got no, images I of, to turn it all together for people. I, I've got images of water and everything else, but I have to get these out in brain now. From a tactical level, if you said that they were trying to create trust, cared for and pleased, as they were coming out of the restroom, I would be turning around to them and saying, well, did you trust what you was going to get in there? Did you feel cared for uh, in the restroom? Maybe this isn't the best example. I love that you won't give it up, though. My Colin's committed to this. <laughs> did, did you feel pleased? There you go. <laughs> Let's dig into that more. You, you get the principle. I'm going to use it, the uh, home improvement <laughs> example because I'm not crazy. Um, but no, I mean, the, the point is a good one. If your score is going down, but you don't know why. And again, net promoter score is not designed to tell you why. It's just not what it does. And so you need other things. If it was the pre-sale, that was the problem. But you spent all your time on the, you know, installers and improving what they were doing. You've solved the wrong problem. You know, you may have done that in an expensive way. You may have done that in a way that actually accidentally makes the experience worse, right? Like if you're if you're mucking around with something that's currently going well, then there's some chance that you're going to make it worse. So you could actually cause your net promoter score to decline by solving the wrong problem. So I can't emphasize this enough. Like net promoter score is one top level indicator and it can be very useful from that perspective, but if we're going to act on it, we just we need more information. So let me try and summarize, Janet, to bring this around. First of all, you're using the wrong scale, and I would encourage you Possibly the wrong restroom, Janet. I got (laughs) to tell you, we need more data on that. So if you could move from 0 to 10, that would be good, but I, I understand those things are a challenge. You've got to get more granular, okay? And you've, you, the key message is you've got to ask more questions to understand what the, the problem is. And I would absolutely encourage you to, you've got to look below the comments and find out what really drives value, not necessarily just what the customer says. And that's that emotional th- signature thing that I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, as I've mentioned. You've got to ask more questions even about how customers feel. And you've got to also work on... Um, think about things from a strategic and tactical measurement. One other thing, Ryan, I was going to ask you, actually, because I wasn't sure about this. One of the things I do, and this is probably because I understand Net Promoter, is I never give everybody any of their 10 unless 
I really think it deserves it. Is there any psychology around never giving the highest score? I know that it breaks down by individuals difference. So there are certain people who are extreme people and they'll respond to scores by giving everything like a one or a five just at the end. There are other people who are more moderate and will never use the endpoints of a scale. And then there are some yeah. people who are are positive people and so they'll never go below the midpoint of a scale. So yeah, all of this is part of the reason why you want to collect a lot of data. And I know that for some of these surveys like net promoter, especially if you're in a B2B context, they'll send them out to all of their major customers every month or, or every quarter. And then, you know, not everybody's going to respond to them. And you may be getting the same people responding every quarter. You may be getting a different sample. But when you're dealing yeah. with small numbers, as sometimes you can, don't just throw out the data, but also you need to be really careful about that because all of these individual differences start to matter a lot. If you get thousands and thousands of responses, then that becomes less of an issue. But do people use these scales differently? Yes. And if you've only got 20 in your sample, that's going to be a big concern. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And and the other point I would add on to that, it's, it's a bit like I fly Delta a lot. I don't know you do, Ryan. And every time I fly, I, I get a survey from them. And I only ever complete the survey when something's gone wrong. Yes. Uh, so there's sampling bias right. as well as kind of Yeah, so there's response. so many other biases that, that go into all of this is the key point. The, but the overall issue for me is, is it going up or is it going down, basically? Yeah. If it's going down, you've got to get more information. And, if it's, if, and to make it go up, you've got to get more information and get cleverer about it and therefore understand more about getting under the skin, understanding what's driving value, and also how the customer's feeling and answering those types of questions. We hope that's been of use, Janet. If anybody else has got a, a problem that, that they would like some comments on from Ryan and I, whatever it uh, may be from a business perspective, then please just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle, beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Fill out the form, drop us a line. We don't even ask you for your email address, so we're not trying to collect all your information. Uh, we're just interested in trying to help people and make the show interesting for people uh, and deal with things. So thank you very much for listening this week, and we look forward to another pickle in a few weeks' time. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.